0: Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about a song or an album which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from New York, New York, he has one Mark Plotkin. Mark is an American songwriting award-winning artist, a Grammy shortlisted producer, a Bloomberg Businessweek Top 25 entrepreneur, and a professor at New York University's Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. His latest solo release, Minor Faults, took songs Mark wrote initially just for guitar and voice and arrange them for drums, bass, cello, French horn, trumpet, saxophone, and vocals. He's now involved in a new artist project titled J. Brian Marcus with two other fantastic producer-slash-songwriters, and will be releasing the project's first songs very soon. For our conversation today, we are going to be discussing Evolve, which is the 12th studio album by singer-songwriter Ani DeFranco, which was released back in 2003. We spoke to one another on a beautiful spring afternoon, as evidenced by the sounds of happily chirping birds in the background. So without further ado, let's welcome Mark to Cover to Cover.
1: Mark Plotkin, it is... Such a pleasure to have you today. Um, thanks for coming on the program, and uh, I'm lo- really looking forward to discussing Ani DeFranca's 12th record, Evolve. How are you doing, sir?
2: I'm good. Yeah, hell yeah. Thanks for having me, Matt. I just, yeah. just nerd out about records.
1: How did you come about this record, and also what inspired you to choose it for, uh, for our conversation today?
2: Yeah, so I think Ani is a super interesting artist. Um She's Definitely one of my favorite all time songwriters. Um, and just has kind of a crazy and unusual, in the best way, career. Um, so, I mean, just, just to, for people not familiar with her in general, and then I'll zoom in on, on Evolve. Um, I mean, she, she sort of, uh, she started, of started her thing in, in the early 90s, sort of traditional, sort of acoustic singer songwriter. Um, but uh, like, if you look at her discography, there's a long period, like maybe 15 or 16 years. She put out a record every single year for a Um So she didn't take any time off of writing amazing songs, recording amazing songs. She was also touring like crazy. And she's always been completely independent. She's never had um like a major record label or anything like that. She actually eventually started her own label, so it's another story. But um I think the thing with would evolve, you know, I mean... I, in late high school, I got into her early records. Um, my brother hit me to her first one, which I think is self-titled, and then she had this live record called Living in Clips. And it's super cool, very, like, singer songwritery And then um, a few years later, uh, when I was in college, uh, I was in a band for a long time called Miles, and I, I we were, we were uh, on the road somewhere, you mentioned you're in Lancaster. It made me think of like seventy six or I eighty. I spent a lot of time on that road, um, uh, uh, and we were yeah we were on one of those drives between like New Jersey or Ohio or somewhere. And uh, my good friend Ben Jacobs, who's also the bass player in the band, he's like, "Have you have you heard Ani's record evolve?" And I knew she had so many records, I was almost like intimidated to like dive in. And this is already maybe four or five years after this record came out, and he puts it on and again my only association with this this woman is that it's like both singer-songwriter stuff and when you hit the first track of this record you hear her guitar and then you hear a full horn section and you start hearing that these like really really amazing sort of angular horn lines not just like at at one part of the song in the chorus but almost like like weaving in and out in between every single line she's singing um and uh, in addition to, to playing guitar and singing and writing songs, myself, I, I play saxophone. So this was like this very rare, weird moment where it's like, oh my God, all the things I love are here. And then I never see them all in one place, right? Like I, yeah. musically, I am always sort of getting satisfied from what I listen to, either from like, you know, things with a lot of like, heart and are focused on the lyrics and the song craft, like, you know, the the singer-songwriter world and the rock world and and hip-hop and things that are very lyric-focused, but then as a sax player, I've also always loved sort of marrying out about jazz and funk and just thinking about, like, music that feels good, and when I found Evolve, I was like, oh my God, like, they're they're here together, they're here together, and she totally threw everyone for a loop, you know, again, with the presentation of just being. This acoustic singer songwriter is having this full band, the record is super funky. Um, and it's, it's got like the hippest horn arrangements, but and then you pair that with the fact that I actually think lyrically it might be the most interesting and sort of like I would even argue like the most punk rock in a way, m- like songwriting style that she's doing, even more so when, than when she was just seen you know, as a singer songwriter. So it's like this weird cocktail that is definitely not everyone's cup of tea, but it's like all the things I like in one place, like amazing lyrics, um, really uh, cool funky music, which I also have to say, like I feel like in the the world of like instrumental music and funk and jazz, even when there's vocals, um, I'm certainly generalizing, but I never felt much of a connection to like the lyrics world of, of that style of music. Like when I think of my favorite funk music, even when there's lyrics, it's usually not like the headiest stuff, you know, laden with metaphors and like literature references and things that are like kind of fun to find in lyrics. Um, And so uh, I think, again, it was like, not only am I getting these worlds together, but like, I'm getting like such high, it's like if Joni Mitchell, I mean, Joni Mitchell did make sort of jazz records too, but it was like when Joni Mitchell or Paul Simon or Bob Dylan level lyrics meet this like funkier music and, there's a few artists that have a career like that, and, and evolve is Ani's moment for that. So it's that a mouthful, but that, those are my initial thoughts. <laughs>
1: we're we're talking with Mark Plotkin here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, specifically about Annie DeFranca's twelfth record, Evolve. And it, Mark, it's interesting that you mentioned Bob Dylan because, incidentally, Annie toured with Dylan a little bit in the late '90s. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I
2: don't know that much about it, but I did. I've seen an interview pair where she talks about touring with him and you know how their audiences were really different um yeah I, I think she's totally in that lineage of songwriters like to me i i would i would easily put her up there with like bob dylan neil young Paul Simon, joni mitchell like of just the the, the strongest sort of Amer- american 20th century like lyricists and which makes it all the more exciting on this record that she pairs that with music that just usually
1: doesn't have such exciting lyrics you know um yes. yeah Mark, can you um, describe for our listeners who might you know be somewhat unfamiliar with Ani? She's you know she definitely she has a cult following, and somehow there's a real underground kind of presence about her. Can you tell our listeners who some of the players are on this record? It's a, it's a fully you know flushed out band.
2: Yeah. Um, so the to be honest with you, I was I was looking at the the listing of of the instrumentalists on the record. Um, and my understanding is that they were primarily, you know, her touring band members for a few years leading up to evolve. Um, I I wasn't super familiar with most of their work, um, but I think to me it it sort of you know connects back to her story of um, as I mentioned she started her own record label um, I think out of uh, Buffalo and she's as, as far as I understand it, she you know consistently works with sort of a regular cast of characters some sort of like sending from there. So I, I, rather than um, necessarily like calling like the hottest sax player on the scene, even though at this point, she's already a big artist. I think it was like 2003 or so. Um, she's going with like the touring band that, you know, she, she has, she has roots tied to, you know? Um, yeah. And I actually, there was like some more around this, like when I, when I, on the rare occasion that I meet another like heavy beauty, Yanni DeFranco fan, I noticed there's like, this incorrect mirror that I was also perpetuating for many years, that um, I thought the sax player was Macy Parker, which if you're not familiar with him, he's uh, James Brown's sax player. Very famous sax player. And the reason I thought that is that, this is another total close cool thing about Ani, she produced uh, a bunch of records for Macy O'Parpin. So you have, like... <laughs> This, huh. this, like, feminist singer-songwriter 90s icon producing James Brown actually Like, she's just so cool. Um, but, like, so, I think because of that, everyone that would talk about Evolve, and I remember when I first getting into it in my band, they were like, oh, that's, like, these saxophones are so crazy, we know that she produced Maceo, it's probably Maceo. And then I was on Wikipedia the other day, like, thinking about this interview, and, and it was like, nope. That was just, like, the dude in her band. Um, so it was just uh, one of those, like, extra lures like, that get put on top of the record. Um, yeah. But in terms of, like, your, you know, the other part of your question about just, like, people are not familiar with her in general, I mean, it's hard to not to talk about her and not talk about a lot of, like, the public image stuff, which which obviously has, like, usually nothing to do with music, but I think a lot of reasons that people did get into her and a lot of reasons, it got to be honest, could be that people probably skip over her, checking her out, is um, because, you know, she... Um, in addition to the like indie artist thing and never going with like, a major label which I feel like the average music fan doesn't care about um, you know she was this really um, uh, vocal feminist um, and uh, uh, you know sexual f- fluidity um, outspoken artist um, at a time where that was really um, not as accepted and so I think you know that definitely created a certain fan base and community around her that just appreciated having that light shown on them, but um, I think for for other people that might really be into it musically, um, they they might you know, judge you know, what this artist might sound like very quickly just based on based on the audience, or just based on like, oh, I don't like you know usually you know people that stand for X Y Z isn't my thing, and like she's such a beautiful example to me of you know when you hear her like whatever opinion you have about all those things kind of, fades, kind of fades away. Like, like she's one of those artists where it's like, you, you've either heard her and are a fan or you haven't heard her, you know? And a lot of times, those are, I think that's an indicator of just, like, undeniably strong, you know, content.
1: Absolutely. We are talking with Mark Plotkin here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka. And, uh, Mark, this feels like a good time to talk about some of your favorite tracks on this record. Um it sounds like, you know, based on, you know, everything that we've discussed regarding Annie's career, um, you know, she started off as more of a, a folk singer songwriter, you know, performing solo acoustic. And, you know, this you know th- there's a horn section, there's you know, there's Fender Rhodes, melodica, clavinet, all kinds of cool instrumentation on this record. Um it, it, it's really just these songs are astonishing <laughs> in, in, in a lot of ways. I, you know, personally, I was I was very unfamiliar, you know, with this record, familiar with her, but familiar, unfamiliar with Evolve. And I'd really love to know like what some of your favorite tracks are on this. We could we could pick out a few, or we could just you know talk about you know the dozen tracks <laughs> that comprise this yeah. album. Yeah, where would you like to start?
2: I mean, I I feel like. Um... Yeah, this is definitely one of those albums that it's, it's hard for me to, like... It's hard for me to put one of these songs in, like, a playlist that is separated from these songs. Like, I, I think of it almost as, like, one piece of... Like, it feels like one hour-long song to me, but definite favorites. Like, I mean, in the way that... Uh, track 2, that was the... It's not even that that's my favorite, but that was the first one that, like, I was, like, smacked in, in the car again. Like, the first time I heard it was, like, oh, my God, this is, like... This is like, she like put her crazy songwriting on a funk record. Um, this promise on the first track is beautiful, and you hear those horns, but it's still sort of like this sweeping, I guess, I hate genres, but I would put it like sort of in like, you know, and, you know, al- alternative, you know, folk with the band sort of um, style, even though there's horns, but then in the way, it starts with this like really sick, um, like low E string slapping thing she's doing. It's like, oh, ba-bum, ba-bum, and then the drums come in all funky. It could be like a meter's record. Um, yeah. so that was the one, that's the one that will, like, convert you if you're, like, looking for what I'm talking about of this, like, funk and, like, amazing conscious lyric mixture. And then, uh, just this, uh, Oh My My is very, does, like, a similar thing. It starts with this really cool, like, out piano riff that they either looped or just kept playing. I'm assuming kept playing. It's like, ba boom boom boom, and it's, like, it's this funky thing that hits really good. Um, evolved is probably the song that most people have heard from this, if you've heard this record at all, that that was like the most single-ish one um, which is also interesting because it sort of relies a lot of what I'm talking about. It's, uh, it's I believe the whole song is solo acoustic and her singing Um it's also, you know, I did I not didn't said anything about her guitar playing which like even if we weren't talking about the cool stylistic evolution that she took on this record and all the other instruments, like she is. She really is one of the most unique guitarists I think of all time. I think if, um, if there are any guitarists listening that have gone down the rabbit hole of like looking up Cab of cool artists, like she is definitely one to add to your list. Like always using crazy tunes she she, she, she beats the shit out of the acoustic guitar. She plays it like a drum. You know, she um and evolves a fun one that here she's doing. She's basically just slapping a low E I think it's it down. Um, And lyrically, that one's really fun as well. Um, And then, I mean, I can say great things about all of them. I feel like the big elephant in the room on this record is, according to Wikipedia, track 11. uh, It's called Serpentine, which um, we got to talk about Serpentine because no one, anyone I show that song to, no one's ever heard anything like it. Um, Serpentine is over 10 minutes long. The first two or three minutes um, is instrumental, just throwing guitar. Uh, Usually when I'm, like, showing people, like, trying to uh, have the song live up to the hype, I I usually fast forward, like, the first two minutes, but they are great. Um, And then she comes in with a vocal for the remaining eight minutes. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I I first heard this song probably over 10 years ago now, and every time I hear this, I, like, have to stop what I'm doing and just, like, stare up wall. She, it, it's the best way to describe it is like she's doing almost like beat poetry over this like very it's actually this very simple guitar thing she does in this song. It's like I think two chords that she's alternating between, um, and she is like ranting. It's the closest she gets to like rapping, but it's it's also not um, it's not stuck on one. Uh, sort of time meter or a rhythm the whole time. It's, like, very loose, and she, like, loses her shit on this song. Um, uh, I actually, like, I was thinking about, like, lyrics I, I really love from the circle before this. Um, and, like, she, she like, this is the, the, one of the examples to me where she's almost more punk rock than, like, any loud band with the sort of guitars and dudes yelling could ever be. Because she's, she's, like, got this gorgeous voice. She's barely singing. It's very quiet. And she's like saying the damnedest, harshest things about like modern America that you've ever heard. (laughs) And it like that dichotomy is just really, really like jarring and, and amazing, you know, regardless of, you know, whether you agree with what she's saying or not. Um uh I'm gonna I'm gonna read if it's cool, I'm gonna read a verse uh that I think is like of Khan from Serpentine. Sure. Um, she says, um, and I must admit, today my inner pessimist seems to have got the best of me. We start out sugared up on Kool Aid and manifest destiny, and we memorize all the presidents' names like little trained monkeys, and then we're, we're spit into the world. With so many spinny-eyed TV junkies, in, incapable of unraveling the military-industrial mystery, preemptively pacified with history book history. And I've been around the world now, and I can see this about America. Mind control is steep here, man. The myopia is deep here. Like, that's just one verse of this 10 minute thing. Um, but it's uh, that's definitely like the the powerful, sort of like slap in the face song. Um, yeah, <laughs>
1: nice, yeah. We're talking with Mark Plotkin here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka all about Evolve, which is the 12th offering from Ani Franco, and uh, talking about Serpentine, some really just harsh imagery here. <laughs> um mm. yeah, as, as as you said, you know, more than more than 10 minutes and it's, you know, it's very much in the tradition of uh beatnik poetry. Um she's calling people out on the carpet, that's for sure, you know. Yeah. different injustices that she sees in the world and, you know, she mentions, you know, a little towards the beginning, you know, th- this hit me, she's calling out Pavlov, you know, we talked a little bit about mm. behavioral psychology. Pavlov is (laughs) one of the pioneers of um, various techniques, and combining Pavlov, you know, and then later on mentioning um, what was it exactly? The uh, oh gosh, I'm I'm just looking through liner notes right now. It was uh, it was about mind control. Is Steve here? Uh, Yeah, yeah. the Spinny Eye TV junkies. That's what it was. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking of you know the kinds of you know information that is so ubiquitous these days, you know, in modern TV and all kinds of forms of mediums in general. And she's, uh, she, she she's, she's taken no prisoners with these lyrics.
2: Yeah. I, I think about that Pavlov line a lot right now um, with even like, I mean, this is, I think this is 2003. She, she put this out, so this is definitely a flip phone era, but I think about it all the time with like, even like with my, iphone and social media and stuff like that Just yeah. my my interpretation of it. obviously i mean yeah. what they want my interpretation of like that first line is she's saying like like every time i answer the phone like i'm getting some sort of like negativity and so like i got i've been Pavlov to think that when the phone rings it's going to be bad and so then she says like i'm just gonna stay away and like play my guitar and i feel like you know in in uh it's uh it's spring 2020 when we're recording this you know in amidst something like Coronavirus and and like the political climate the last few years I feel like I have I've built an association uh, with things like social media just to assume like I'm gonna feel bad like I'm gonna feel bad you know when I'm checking it out or or afterwards um, I've definitely gotten Pavlov's uh, and I feel like she she hmm. called that early
1: <laughs> yeah and and somehow in the midst of you know various injustices that she's calling out. She takes on the music industry, you know. She's yeah. she says here in, in the music industry mafia is pimping girl power, sniping off their sharpshooter singles from their styrofoam towers. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> that's heavy. <laughs>
2: yeah, I think that this is probably like a few a couple years after like Spice Girls and stuff like that. So she's like pretty she's like pretty deliberately like calling that out and and but also like defending, you know, like you know, she 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 wasn't is this you know icon of like a a strong woman artist, and so I'm I'm sure like I, I don't have this perspective obviously, but I'm sure like when she sees you know the monopolization of that, like it must be like this total gut punch of like everything I've worked for, you know. So um, yeah, I totally I totally get it. She she has a few lines on even other records of hers where she talks about. Like how music has changed, and like this is not on evolved, but she has a song. Um, oh, what's it called? I uh, think uh, I think I want to say a pavement or something like that. It's it's track two on this record called Little Plastic Castle. i will not go too far down the rabbit hole, but she has line about like, um, and people used to make records as in a record of an event, the event of people playing music in a room. Now everything's cross marketing, and then she like goes down the rabbit hole of like what modern music industry is. But like she she also regularly point out like don't forget what this was supposed to be. Like for her, she's like, you know, you're supposed to just have a bunch of humans in a room playing, like playing together. And like, now it's like this whole other like inhuman thing. And then in Serpentine, she's saying like the, the capitalist results of that too. You know, she, she calls out, you know, hip hop for being, um, you know, too capitalistic and commercial. And, and she's obviously calling out, you know, uh, people that are, um,
0: cannibalizing,
2: you know, the, the feminist movement you know, and things like that. So it's, yeah, she's she is fearless.
1: Yes, absolutely. Even uh, even calling out uh, as long as every day is Super Bowl Sunday and larger than life women in lingerie are pouting at us from every bus stop, I I, I can't help but think of a you know a really big city anywhere in America and think about you know, you know, say Victoria's Secret supermodels or something like exactly. that, you know, and that's, you know, that runs certainly antithetical to things that she believes in or agrees with. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Talking with Mark Plotkin here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka, all about Ani DeFranco and uh, her 12th offering entitled Evolve. Um, Mark, speaking of Evolve, why don't we, you know, talk a little bit about the title track here. Um, hmm. you know, there's, uh, this is a little bit more stripped down. It's, uh, it's Ani DeFranco and, uh, uh, her bass player, Jason Mercer and, um, uh, hmm. really cool, you know, slap bass in here. And there's, um, and there's an interesting reference here, uh, Reefer Madness, uh, which is hmm. an old film from the 1930s, you know, all about the, uh, the dangers and the perils, if you will, about smoking grass. Um, mm-hmm. that's, it's, uh, this is a really, uh, it was a really cool song. Um, what say, what say you?
2: Yeah, this, um, yeah, this is usually like, I, I find like if people are looking for an easy entry point in, this is a great one to start with, because this is like probably the most, um, similar to other things that you've heard. And, and also just like, it's just, it's, it, it's, um, like you said, it's, it's musically kind of simple in that it's not, it doesn't overwhelm you with all that instrumentation. But, um, but it is so funky and understandable actually I've, I've seen her live and i would say like evolve is the song that got like the crowd moving the most um but then lyrically you know again she's being that like dichotomy thing of like i'm gonna play this like really happy funky sounding music and i'm gonna like <laughs> i'm gonna call out some more some more stuff you know so um she yeah she's talking about you know government control over a plant just being sort of preposterous and um, you know, she references uh, like like prison reform, how there being you know, a lot of people in cages. Um, um I'm looking at the lyrics around because there's a line I always love and wanted to point out. Um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stand by. Um,
1: she's also calling out, you know, some some fundamentalist religious practices. And if this record mm-hmm. came out in two thousand three, um this is the height of the second Gulf War here. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: she she makes yeah, she makes a mention to you, let's all go to war, get some bang for our buck. And something okay. tells me she's talking about an organization like Halliburton, but, you know, for sure. it, it's buried in here.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was thinking about that too. How this is, um, yeah, this is like a few years into the, you know, the George W. Bush administration. And um, I mean, I know for sure like what side of that she was on. And, and so I think um, a lot of these references are to, to, you know, a lot of like, political cronyism that that m- might have been going on um yeah. and uh yeah she and there's like i always also got like a little bit of um something i get from a lot of her songs and she references very like on the nose on evolve is um like uh i guess connecting n- a lot of nature imagery with how most songwriters usually reference like religious or god imagery um mm-hmm. that was something mm-hmm. that always stuck with me so like I, I, you know, I never, I never specific I don't remember hearing a lyric where she's like, religion is bad, but she would just always sort of substitute any sort of um like fervor or like, you know, respect that, that uh, a song might go to like a spiritual, religious place with things about nature. um So like yeah. evolve, evolve, like as doing that in terms of, you know, her saying, and the album cover is a butterfly. She really wants to change. And this is like, a change of her sound. There's another song on this record Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So in Icarus, she says this thing about bad dreams like this rolling like a cold front, thunderous thunder and lightning in tow, and your tiny little life gets even smaller as you heed the heaven's mighty show. I don't mean heaven like God-like, because the animal I am knows very well that nature is our teacher and our mother, and God is just another story that we tell. So actually, I guess I'm I've got there she is more directly calling out, like, religion a little bit, but I, I also just like that she she always does put like a substitute in there. It's like she's saying like, like earth and, and nature and, and evolution are the things that, you know, at least to her, like that maybe a lot of people otherwise look to a spirituality element to get. And I think when I heard that, I, uh, I felt, I identified with that feeling a lot of, of being like, I think, you know, you know uh, there's other elements like that, that we can feel things from, you know?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting you bring up Icarus, because, you know, a little further down the line here, um, you know, we, we had this, you know, kind of a, a tango, scat, jazzy type of thing Here for Now, and I just wanted to, to link the two here, because Here for Now, it, you know, lyrically, it seems like there's a protagonist that's traveling through a labyrinth of some sort, and, you know, from my limited knowledge about uh, Greek mythology, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Icarus is the creator of the labyrinth itself. I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, um, continuity. And, you know, from a sequential point of view, starting with Icarus and then going to hear from now was really kind of a, really very choice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I always get the sense from her, I always feel like her verses are, Probably, I'm just like in making this up in my head, pulled from her personal life. Like, I feel like she's probably referencing something that happened to her or a friend of hers in verse. And then in a chorus or like a lead into a chorus, she'll connect it to something super universal that, you know, a, a lot of people know. Like, yeah, like the, the Icarus sort of, the tale flying too close to the sun, she's, she's referencing in that song. But like the verses, it sounds more like that might have happened to her or like that might have been a relationship dynamic she was in. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think the same with with, with Beer for Now. Um, she has a lot of songs where, like, she's telling a, a very like everyday story, and then the chorus takes you to this like macro place that you know anyone can relate to. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. It sounds like she's been in some extremely uh, difficult relationships where she's, you know, this, she's very comfortable with her own skin, but perhaps people that she's in a relationship with are not not on her level. If that's Mm-hmm. fair to say yeah uh, I definitely I feel comfortable yeah
2: yeah oh, I was just gonna say I've, I've def- not on not from Evolve but I've definitely had uh, 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 songs I associate with, with breakups from earlier in my life with specific Audi songs um, so like I, she, she's definitely a master of the like this is the end of the relationship or like I just got dumped sort of feeling um, but in a much more poetic way than, than saying it like that <laughs>
1: Talking with Mark Plotkin here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, and uh, Mark is, you know, Mark is a professor at NYU's Clive Davis Institute of Recorded Music. Um, so we talked, you get great detail about uh, Serpentine. We've talked about Evolve and Icarus, and Here From Now. Uh, you mentioned oh my my is another one of your favorite tracks mm. are, are there any lyrics in particular that stand out for you or is there any like kind of specific emotive quality that draws you to oh my my
2: i like you know i have to say off the top of my head it's probably the latter because i without looking at them like the most no, like specific like gut punch lyrics come to mind but when i think about oh my my at least you, you can't not think about that piano intro um, and it saves playing the the song, but, like, it's just such an unusual special song. And it's, like, super different chords. Um, and then uh, I think this is one of only, like, just one and one other one that the trumpet is, like, has, um, has muted the entire song. It like, gives you this, like, very old-timey sound. And I believe, too, in Oh My Mind, it's got like, this bridge that is so out of left field. It, like, totally stops time, and it goes into this, like, slow New Orleans funeral sort of vibe, um, which is actually the only time she sings the chorus. Uh, I recommend pausing the podcast and putting on that part of the song. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Now let's try again. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, yeah, I would think about like the musical sort of dichotomy of that song. And, and that's one just might be very, very specific to me, but like that's, I have like, I sort of have a secret mission in my life. Yeah. Um, a lot of my musician friends that see themselves more as just instrumentalists and as, like, you know, producers and, and people that, like, aren't necessarily spending a lot of time thinking about, like, lyrics and things like that. I'll sometimes, I have, like, a whole list in my head of songs that are, like, cheap codes to get those people into, like, more songwritery music. And, and Oh My My, I've used it bunch of times because, like, if, if, you're, if you're playing that for someone who digs, like, sort of out-jazz, like, that will get their attention. And then she starts singing. And there's, like, as we talked about, she's talking about real shit, and also her voice is, is gorgeous. and so um, it's, like, a real great entry point for people that would be, like, oh, I'm, I'm mainly, like, listening to, like, for sort of hit music, in, instrumentally, and I think that's, uh, again, like, I'm obsessed with this idea of bringing this world together whenever possible.
1: Yeah. Talking with Mark Plotkin here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, all things Ami Franco, and her 12th Record called Evolve and Mark, I, you know, I'd like to close our conversation with a conversation about um, the album cover. And uh, you know, no matter how much time you know has passed, there's always some sort of some sort of supporting art that complements things digitally or in physical media. And um, when you look at just album cover or you know anything in the liner notes, what what sorts of uh, imagery is conjured up in your mind. We've talked a lot about imagery, but maybe we should focus on just the, the front cover in general. Um what um Yeah what do you think about that? It's very really kind of minimalist in some respects.
2: I mean yeah, it's, it's a perfect Im- the cover is a perfect embodiment of like A which a lot of what what she's talking about, but then B, I think if you're familiar with her career, what this album means, it's just a butterfly. Um, you know, and, and obviously like that's I, I always I think a lot of people associate that in in imagery sense, with evolution and with with change, right? Like, something Mm -hmm. starting from one state and and going into the other. And, um, yeah, like, I I think it it can't be overstated how much anyone familiar with her work would have told you before Evolve, like, oh, Ani just a really fantastic acoustic guitar singer-songwriter, like, sad love songs. And then she makes this record that is such a departure. Um, You know, I I, I think it, it probably also... In in some ways, probably uh, a lot of her existing audience felt ignored by it, and so. I, but I think that the best artists, in my opinion, like evolution is part of the art. It's part of why you like them. You know, I think about Miles Davis. I think about Radiohead. I think about even someone like Kanye West, where like part of being a fan of any of their music is like that. The next record is not going to be like the last one, and so I feel like she joins the club like on this record and and the album cover is like almost like the announcement of that it's like look this is not it's not a picture of me like looking uh you know tepid in the corner it's it's this this piece of art which as far as i understand i didn't know this before but evidently it won a grammy for for best art packaging so it, it, it must be very nice in in physical form um i have to say i you know i am uh i am a uh, a clear member of, like, the Napster generation. So my first interaction with this music for many years was uh, definitely an, an illegal downloaded copy of it. Um, so I I, I I remember seeing the album cover early on, but I didn't ever have it. Um, and actually, like, in the in past few years, my wife and I have gotten into, like, buying vinyl records of, like, our favorite records, and I specifically sought this one out. I couldn't find... They didn't have a vinyl version of it, so I don't yet have it. Um, the, there's a CD, which I, I might just get to see the album art, but to, to be totally honest, to answer the rest of the question, I haven't seen the rest of the art. Um, I'm sure it's available online somewhere, but, yeah. you
1: know.
2: But, yeah, yeah, but the the, the cover, I thought, um, I, I'm sure the rest of the packaging must be great if it won a Grammy for that, but uh, the the cover, I, I thought, like, perfectly embodies the spirit of what's happening on the record.
1: That's cool. She. I, I wonder if she autographed this cover because it just. Mm. It kind of, yeah, it kind of looks like you know here's here's a photograph of you know some sort of moment in time and she's she's giving it her <laughs> her sign off so to speak. Mm-hmm.
2: What was what was yeah. your favorite song on the record? My favorite song
1: on the record. Gosh. Um, hmm. After after listening the whole way through uh, several times, I'd have to say. That's a tough one. Um, honestly, I, I, I this might sound like such a cop out, but I really enjoyed the title track.
2: Yeah, well, I, I,
1: I really, I really like you know just you know her, you know her, her vocals and lyrics are so vulnerable, but for some reason, the just kind of um, stuck with me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I I just, I liked how she kind of, you know, wove the idea of the use of cameras in, you know, in various songs. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, that, that she's that's talking a about lot. a camera being just a box of light. I think she she sings that in Promised Land and then she kind of went back into Evolve and, you know, it talks about, you know, the jets that won't abide by that pes- pesky jet lag and our lives boil down to an hour or two when someone pulls out a camera bag and then mm. you know, that that's a little bit of the pre I believe, and then and I am trying to evolve. I'm just trying to evolve. That's that was yeah. that was a statement that really spoke to me quite a bit. So and that, that throws, throws
2: it,
1: back to. Sorry. <laughs> Got excited. No, no. Yeah.
2: I oh, was gonna say that throws back to Icarus in here for now too. It's like this element of like, like we don't have we are impermanent, right? She's saying she's basically saying like, you know, the camera is not gonna not gonna actually capture this. You know, if you try to capture this moment, like we're only there's only right now. Um, yeah 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 hearing you mention the camera thing i'm realizing that comes up all over the record yeah
1: it's really i just found that really really nifty i don't know why but uh um, yeah. yeah mark thank you so much for taking some time to to be here on the program today really enjoyed talking with you enjoyed learning so much more about ani defranco and uh yeah, thanks for sharing this record that's you know continuing to to impact you and um you know one question I you know probably would have asked you from the very beginning was you know does a record like evolve um you know inspire you with any uh, projects that you've either worked on in the past or are working on in the studio when you have time?
2: Yeah, um, yeah. There's been evolve has like snuck its way in and probably. Not obviously to anybody but me, maybe. So, like, probably everything I've done in that, yeah. I, I'm, I'm always trying to bring together, sort of my muso brain with like accessibility and storytelling and vulnerability. I, I still think most music goes to one extreme on on that end. Um, and again, like you've heard me harp on, like I think she, she sort of finds that way to bring them together. So, like my last EP, um, called Minor Fault was, uh definitely sort of inspired by It Evolve in the sense that uh it was songs composed on guitar that were kind of meant to be very accessible, sing a song write a song. But then I decided in the presentation of it, in the recording, um there were gonna be no guitars. and I rearranged the whole thing for cello and French horn and saxophone and, and trumpet and, and singing. Um and so like that that was, you know, my attempt at something like that and, and I'm working on some new music now that um, you know, maybe maybe follow the same philosophy subbing out the organic instrumentation and, and the jazz influence for more like the electronic and, and production side of music, but still trying to go on that journey of like bringing that to, to like crafted songwriting and to really telling stories. So um, yeah, she's sort of always echoing in my head of like whatever era we're in, whatever sounds are cool, like can, the challenge is can you bring together like something that sounds super hip and it's fun with like, a, like some really saying something. And I just don't hear it a lot. Um, so I'm I'm always chasing it. So.
1: Right on. Mark Plotkin, it's been so great talking to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for being on.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, it was really fun. All right, my special thanks to Mark Plotkin for taking some time to stop by the program today. For all of you listeners out there, Thank you very much. And please, as always, remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Stitcher, Apple, Google Play, or tune in. Take a moment to tell some friends and your family about our show. Let us know how much you like the show by giving us a good rating. That'll certainly help us appear higher in those search results. And as always, feel free to drop us a line at hello at cover dot com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.